Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 66 of DM Discussions, the podcast for players and DMs alike, where we cover a wide variety of topics to help you with your games. I'm your host, Ryan Reeder, and with me, as always, is the blessed champion of Helm, Ben Bumhofer. How you doing, Ben? Uh, normally, I don't follow Helm, but hey, that works. I'm, I'm doing pretty good. <laughs> oh, are you are you converting? already yeah we've literally just started the episode i know and you know what i'm just gonna keep switching throughout the entire episode see what happens converting who are you converting to uh you know what my my uh uh goddess of choice is uh lyra the goddess of joy big fan of hers yeah yeah usually head that way yeah i had a i had a cleric a cleric in uh, one of my campaigns uh for sucker the raven queen that's a good one yeah yeah I mean, the Pantheon's so huge. I mean, uh, Coraline is, is uh, the cleric in my campaign. He's pretty cool. Elven God. Yeah. Fun stuff. No, that's awesome. There, uh, there's so much out there. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, and I now expect you to switch your allegiances over the course of the episode. Okay. We can do that. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, surprise me. Uh, speaking of surprises... Uh, None of the, what we're going to talk about is probably going to be a surprise because it's been out for <laughs> a week and a half or so. But it might be if you don't uh, keep up with stuff. So uh, we're going to talk a little bit to start off with uh, about uh, D&D Direct that happened uh, just a little bit ago. And they announced a lot of stuff. Yes. Yes. A lot of stuff. And we're not going to go like super deep into everything, um, but we definitely wanted to kind of talk over a few of the things the first of which being spelljammer confirmed yes oh my gosh okay so um first of all if you don't know what spelljammer is and i kind of really didn't know either until this reveal happened basically it's DD in space now we're not talking like Star Trek, Star Wars kind of you know space battles and things like that. I mean, you could go that way if you want. We're talking more like, uh, did you ever see Treasure Planet from Disney? How it's like you know they have like a, a sailing it's, it's ship. It's amazing, uh, an amazing underrated movie. Yes, exactly. I love it. It's one of my favorite Disney movies. Oh well, that, that's perfect then. But yeah, so it's like. You know, uh, a sailing ship going through space with sails that are like solar sails, you know, catching the sunlight or something kind of pushing you through with, uh, you know, giant space creatures going around pirates and and everything. And it totally just grabbed and captured onto my imagination. And this is going to be so amazing. So awesome. I am stoked. I already told my care or my my players, hey, next campaign we're jumping into space jammer or spell jammer. Sorry. I just, apparently I mean, it is space jammer. We're, we're, we're playing basketball against Michael Jordan. Um, <laughs> no, uh, <laughs> we're doing spell jammer and they're like, great. What's that? So I got to tell them and everyone's like, okay, like, you know, kind of going along with it. And the neat thing about it is, is that it's not only just a setting that they're giving us, they're actually giving a whole new, like kind of three book set um, with yeah, it's a, a new, bunch new of type stuff. of product that they haven't haven't done before. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's like you said, it's a three book box set that comes with a map and a DM screen. Yes. So this is it's kind of unusual uh, new type of product. Um, 
So it's got uh, the Adventurer Guide, which has six new playable races, mm-hmm. DM's Guide to Wild Space, the space between planets, how to travel, um, and examples of that, spells and magic items to support spell jamming, which is uh, driving your ship, and and such uh, ship descriptions, deck plans, that type of thing. And then it's got a an Astral Menagerie, which is yes. a monster book. Yeah, 16 different the, monster types, including space pla- clowns. Space clowns. That is horrifying. Um, also Giant hamsters. Murder comets, which is murder great. Comets. I think I, uh, as this was getting announced, I was like, this is a setting that doesn't take itself too seriously. Oh, not at all. At least from what I can tell. And I don't think that I would really want to play it like super seriously. Like, it's going to be fun and kooky and crazy and stuff with, yeah, you can have a serious story to it, but it's always going to have kind of like more of a, a lighthearted feel based on it. I mean, mm-hmm. w- one of the the uh, uh, races that we get is the the Hadozi. I think I'm saying that right, but they're like flying primates. So like flying monkeys, like that's pretty We're going to cool. get a lot of pronunciations wrong. Oh, yeah, totally. Totally. Um, I, I, I'm a big fan of the plasmoids. I think that's really cool. They're like oozes who are like in humanoid shapes. You can actually be one as a, one of the playable races. Um, it, there's just so many cool things in here. And then we didn't even touch on the third book yet, which is going to be adventure, uh, an adventure for levels five through eight. So it's like 12 different episodes kind of uh, like, you know, pushing you through, giving you an idea of, you know, what you're going to see going through the astral sea and all this. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's just, it seems so interesting and cool and different. And I am so stoked for this. Yeah. I love the description of it. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to attempt light of Zaraxxus. Yeah. I think that works. I think, I think. Um, and like you said, it's, it's a, it's 12 episodes and it says each episode ends in a cliffhanger. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's several hooks to get the player started. So it sounds to me very much like here's a TV show that you play through. Oh, yeah, definitely. For 12 sessions, right? And so and each one is is contained and, and leads on to the next one. And so I was like, man, that's that's super cool. Mm-hmm. And apparently they're going to be releasing a free adventure coming up uh, that is uh, designed to be uh, kind of an intro to Spelljammer. Yep, coming out in July. Uh, uh, it's a uh, Spelljammer Academy for levels uh, one to five. So it's actually features as an intro to the campaign book. Yeah, which is which is pretty cool. And so it's like here's a free adventure to get you started in Spelljammer. See if you like it. If you do, get the get the box set. Play through the adventure. Yeah. Oh my gosh, I am I'm stoked for this. I I have the box set pre ordered already. Uh, digitally and the physical copy because uh, apparently I did a great job at work and they gave me points. So I translated those points to Amazon cards. So Heck yeah, <laughs> exactly. that's, that's the way to do it. <laughs> the way to do it. Um, yeah. So it's, this is pretty cool. And they even came out with uh, this cool little thing called monsters compendium volume one spell jammer creatures, mm-hmm. which has like 10. It's just like a little, uh, little magazine, both digital uh, on their site and on D&D Beyond, they released for free as well. And it's just got 10 new Spelljammer monsters that uh, are just immediately accessible to everybody. Yeah. So if you want to want to look and see what kind of stuff you're dealing with and want to see what the current 
iteration of design language and stuff is, that's uh, a good primer. Yeah, it's just, I mean, I, I just can't go back to, or I, I, sorry, I'm, I'm flummoxed because I'm so excited about this. I just, I just keep going back to, you know, some of the shows that I absolutely love, like, um, thing like Firefly, you know, episodes in space, you know, you have the whole pirate aspect and everything going in there. Um, episodic stuff with like Star Trek The Next Generation, you know, meeting new, interesting space creatures and stuff. Um, or the, like the classic trope of, oh, we're broken down in space and there's no one around. How do we fix this and stuff? I mean, there there's a lot to kind of play with, you know, anything that you can really take as like some sort of, you know, sea adventure, just throw it up in space. And, you know, you have a ton of different types of adventures like that. But the thing that I love most about this is that the way that the Astral Sea works and everything, it's basically... Um, you know, it has doorways to everything that is in the world of of Dungeons and Dragons. So, you know, any race could be represented, could have their own faction and everything out there. Um, you know, some of the artwork and stuff that we saw had just like crazy things. Um, if you're watching the the like multiverse of madness kind of thing on uh, Dungeons and Dragons, their their Twitch channel, um, they have a spell jammer campaign that just started up that uh, Brendan Lee Mulgan is DMing. And like the main bad guy in that is a mind flayer who's a gunslinger. I mean, it's really cool and just has so much open and out there that you can just kind of play around with that. It has just grabbed onto my imagination and I am very excited for this. Yeah, no, that's that's awesome. Uh, super, super cool. Uh, also, they announced a second campaign setting yes or more like uh uh, a kind of a a conglomeration of it all uh dragonlance uh a new 5e setting and a board game to go along with it which is super interesting so dragonlance heroes of kryn has been uh announced it's coming i believe like november time frame um yep and so it's it's going to be a, a really interesting thing because they said the whole theme is war. And so this board game that's coming out uh, is a standalone thing, but it actually can integrate with the campaign setting and provide essentially war rules for your tabletop game at the same time. And you that will actually have ways to import your characters into the board game itself. So it's like two standalone products, but they actually work together if you want to use some kind of big battle war system, which we have not seen in Dungeons and Dragons yet outside of third party stuff like Strongholds and Followers from MCDM and then their recent uh, Kingdoms and Warfare, which does contain full fifth edition, like full on warfare. Yeah, and I love this because, you know, big huge battles and everything like that just they always seem like a lot of fun but when you don't have a really good idea on how to actually run it mechanically you can just be completely bogged down with okay the players go and now we have 98 rolls for what happens in all these other little skirmishes around and you know it just it's very time consuming and you know not so much fun but if you're able to kind of take your story and then just throw it into the board game and kind of help it facilitate the combat and everything that you're trying to do i think it's a fantastic way to 
you know, incorporate just another tool set into your gameplay. You know, it's like when I was a little kid and I would be, you know, playing imagination and then I'd turn on a video game so that I could be flying an X-Wing around or something. And then I'd stop doing that because I landed and I got out and run around and do something else. Just using any tool that you have to really, you know, tell the story that you want to. And I think that, you know, it, it's definitely a great first step into something that I would love to see more of in the future. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I think uh, I think it'll be a really really interesting to see how that synergy works and if it's able to be translated beyond mm-hmm. Dragonlance. Yes. Or if they even potentially release extra stuff for it to support it beyond Dragonlance. Exactly. Um, now, do you know much about the Dragonlance setting? I actually don't know too much about it myself. I don't. I know there's a bajillion books. Yes, definitely. About it. <laughs> Um, but from a D&D perspective, I really did not get involved in D&D until shortly after 5th edition was released. Mm-hmm. So I don't have a ton of backstory, a ton of history uh, and whatnot with the game, which in some ways I actually kind of like because I'm experiencing a lot of these things for the first time. And I don't care about getting caught up in the arguments of well, this setting was this and now they're changing to this and, yeah. you know, all these different things. And I'm just like, I don't care. Yeah, it's, kind it's of, okay. It's kind of like how I'm feeling with Spelljammer. It's like, no idea what it was before, but it sounds cool. And I mean, from Dragonlance so far, we don't have a whole lot of details on what's actually going to be in there yet. So, you know, right now, the sky's kind of the limit on that. So I'm excited. Yeah, that was just kind of teased. Yeah. That's I, that. Now, if I were to guess, just based on the name Dragonlance alone, I figure you're riding a dragon and you have a lance. That that's just that a would guess. seem fairly logical. Yeah, it's like a cooler version of the Joust video game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. No, that I'd be happy with that. Yeah, that totally. sounds pretty cool. <laughs> that sounds pretty cool. Uh, but yeah, so that's November. So that's still a little ways off. Um, and I'm sure we will get more details of that. As we get closer, uh, the biggest focuses, of course, right now being um, Mordenkainen's Tome of Foes, yep. which is now released, which is releasing standalone on May 17th and the Radiant Citadel, which is coming out next month. Uh, yes. Those are the two big releases on the horizon. So uh, a little more on that uh, shortly. They also uh, announced uh, the d movie title, uh, Honor Among Thieves. And that was pretty much it. I was hoping for a trailer, but uh, I guess we'll get a trailer later on. Yeah, I'm I'm really curious about how that's going to go. Um, I hope it's good. Did you ever see the that other D&D movie that they put out? I did not. Oh, and I my. do not want to. Oh, my. It's I, you know, I never thought that I would not like a Jeremy Irons film. It's rough. We'll have to watch it sometime and do a report on it or something. Oh gosh, like like a uh, yeah. We could we could we could uh we should we could hit up Scott record, Johnson yeah and and be like Scott, let's do a film sack. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> watch the old D and D movie and and talk about it. That'd be that'd be that's our multiverse of madness. That's our crossover. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they also announced uh, tokens and terrain cases. Which is actually pretty cool because miniatures, as uh, both of us well know, are expensive. They are not super cheap. Just a and little. so 
having these other options, providing these more cost efficient options um, is a really good idea for people who want to be able to use more tactile stuff mm-hmm. on battle maps and stuff, but don't want to go full in on the miniature. Ones. Yeah, these are actually really cool from what they showed. I'm tempted to just pick them both up because, I mean, the way that it works is the the train tiles are kind of interlocking so you can you know make a space as big as you need but the the best part about all of it is the fact that uh instead of like the the fourth edition tiles and the most recent tiles that have come out um they don't have like okay here's a tile and then it also has um you know a coffin on it here's a tile and it has you know a table and chairs this is more you have your play space and then the different things that you would decorate the room or the dungeon or whatever with are actually like kind of Klingon pieces, not not like the race from Star Trek, but, you know, like you'd stick it to the the train piece and you can remove it and, you know, move it around to do whatever you want as many times as you want. So you can really have a lot more of, you know, your personal touch on how you want to design everything. Same goes for the monster one. The monster one has just basically a whole bunch of different like uh, circles. And based on uh, what monster you put on it, you can, you know, mix and match and, and choose. And I mean, it's it's a really, really cool way to, you know, give you all those options and all those, you know, uh, monster representations for your your play style and stuff like th- seriously, check these out. I know that they just started going on sale. Um, but yeah, take a look. Yeah, for sure. Um, and then finally, uh, we, we did already mention, uh, journeys to the radiant Citadel. That is of course coming out June 21st. We're super excited to see that. I'm a huge fan of anthologies. Um, and then finally, just from a game perspective, there is going to be a brand new starter set called dragons of Stormwreck Isle. Yep. Um, it's going to be exclusive at Target for a few months, starting August 1st, and then uh, more widely available in October. It's going to be 20 bucks, um, and it's actually being designed for new DMs, parents looking to introduce D&D to their kids, and players looking to become DMs. Uh, so I'm actually super excited about that, because I think one of the biggest things lacking in the D&D product space is dm friendly stuff yes especially new dm friendly stuff yeah completely agree with that and you know we've talked about it before how the the dm's guide it it has you know kind of glossed over information in some sections and stuff so i'm really hoping that this helps give a, a really good guide towards you know some of those just kind of unanswered things or things that are just kind of up in the air when you're really starting out so you know, with it being a new starter set and all, I'm looking forward to, you know, a small new adventure. And again, hopefully a, a decent amount of good handholding for those people who are just kind of, you know, taking the first steps in. Agreed. Um, and this has been confirmed. It will replace the original starter set, not the essentials kit that mm-hmm. is still staying around. But the original uh, Lost Minds of Vandelver is getting is going to be replaced eventually uh, via this set, which I think is great. I think it's great to update the starting experience. Mm-hmm. Lost Minds is not bad by any means, but I would certainly not classify it necessarily as DM friendly or like new DM onboarding type friendly. 
Yeah. Plus, with the changes of the uh, monsters of the multiverse and, you know, kind of the the new way of, of bringing uh, characters to life and everything, this is going to be more in tune with, you know, the, the kind of new philosophy that Wizards is going with with these. Exactly. So it kind of setting things up for the, the 2024 uh, revamp. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, there's more stuff. Uh, we won't necessarily go over all the little bits and bobs, but uh, we are. There's a great article on alphastream.org. We'll have the link in the show notes that goes in depth on all the different things. Uh, if you want to check it out and see all the nitty gritty details on the D&D Direct stuff. Yes, exactly. And I do recommend checking it out because uh, you can see some of the really cool artwork and stuff that's gone into, you know, some of these announcements. And, and uh, you know, maybe you'll be just as excited about Spelljammer as I am. Yeah, yeah, it's I think it's going to be going to be super cool. Seriously, Spelljammer, guys. So cool. Spelljammer. Um, one other interesting thing we wanted to make note of and have a little mini discussion about. Uh, it just recently came out. Uh, D&D Beyond support article because Monsters of the Multiverse is of course uh, coming out soon and Monsters of the Multiverse has a lot of monsters that are new but a lot of monsters that exist currently in revamped form and so a lot of people were wondering how that was going to be handled especially specifically on D&D Beyond uh, on their online stuff and this is probably even more pertinent now that Wizards has officially acquired them so, from a D&D Beyond perspective, if you buy Monsters in the Multiverse, it will live alongside both uh, your all your original stuff, all your Volos, all your Mordenkainen's Tomophobes. Mm-hmm. Uh, it'll live alongside that. You will have access to both. You will never lose access. You will be able to decide what you want uh, based on filtering and and such so you don't have to worry about losing any content they have uh assured everyone that all that content is staying and will be uh selectable in either of its forms yes however the interesting piece of this is that when mordenkainen's tome of foes or uh mordenkainen's uh monsters of the multiverse sorry there's a lot of a lot of different book titles uh, when Monsters in the Multiverse goes on sale, they will be ending digital sales of Volos and Tome of Foes. Mm-hmm. And so this is a super interesting thing uh, that Volos Guide to Monsters and Mordenkainen's Tome of Foes are essentially being deprecated, at least from the online perspective. However... Uh, Ben and I were talking about this before, and this most likely means that the books will probably go out of print as well. Exactly. And I mean, you're going to find this with uh, any sort of updates, you know, especially big updates to, you know, contents in uh, a lot of different varieties, you know, whether it's uh, a new version of like, say, a board game or something. Um, this one just happens to be, you know, updated stats, updated, you know, abilities, um, new artwork, just a whole bunch of different new stuff that is going into the monsters of the multiverse that are updates of this, you know, older content. 
It's like when, you know, a, a book goes into a new edition where they might have added another chapter or something into it. It's going to be the same exact thing where this is going to be the new current bit of contents and, you know, reference that is going to be out there that they're presenting. So it makes, you know, it makes a lot of sense that they're actually um, going to be discontinuing Volos and uh, Tomb of Foes just because, you know, it's outdated material. And I think I think this is honestly probably the best case scenario they could have done for this. So because from an online perspective, uh, those who bought the digital content still get to keep it. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's still theirs. It's still going to be available if they want to use it. Uh, However, for new people, it makes a whole lot more sense. uh, One, to only have to buy one book instead of two uh, and to only have access to the newest stuff uh, because it's less confusing that way. And you're getting the latest design intent and such as well, instead of uh, being confused by the older stuff. And this goes for the books as well. Mm-hmm. This basically is trading two books for one. So we're going to be pulling two books out of print. Those who have them, of course, can, can still still continue to use them. They're not going to go come and take your books away, but for a new person getting involved now they had, they can be pointed toward this one book that has the newer design intent and such. And I think this is probably the first like preview of this. I expect this to potentially happen more mm-hmm. for potentially some of the other books uh, I would not be surprised if we got a new player's handbook yeah. and a new, uh, mo- well, this is kind of a new monster manual, maybe a new monster manual. We'll see. But uh, at the very least, I expect a new player's handbook and potentially a new dungeon master's guide. Yeah, I totally agree, especially with in, in 2024. Y- exactly. Um, now, one thing I do want to just you know, make sure that we are very clear on too, um, just as Ryan said that uh, you, you know, we'll still have all your digital content on D and D beyond. Um, if you have created a character using one of the races that was in uh, Volos or the Tomb of Foes, um, you'll still have access to that race and character. You, you, everything will be there for you. You can still continue playing and all that. It's kind of like what they did with the Unearthed Arcana stuff when they used to have that in there. So even if when it was removed, you know they're not going to take your characters away from you. Now, the neat thing is, is that you will have that option to go into your race and change it to the updated version you know, if you so choose, um, you know, you might want the old one, you might want the new one, whatever you have access to both. Um, and just like me, I've got the both books on D and D beyond. I'll have the, the monsters of the multiverse as well. So yes, I will have two versions of those monsters available to me. So if anything, I got some more options. I'll probably take the yeah. monsters of the multiverse one. Cause that stuff is written out way easier to use, but you know, we'll see what happens. Yeah. But if you prefer the old version, it's there. And I think, like I said, again, I think this is a, a preview of what we're going to get moving forward because they have already said they're going to maintain that backwards compatibility. Mm-hmm. Exactly. That doesn't mean necessarily that the stuff that's backwards compatible will be the best designed or the how use the most up-to-date mm-hmm. uh, design language and design features and stuff. But Essentially, what they're saying is if you pull out a Volo's Guide to Monsters post-2024, it'll still work in the system. It may not be 
the most optimal. It may not be as cool as a lot of the other stuff we're releasing. It may not be as good as this second version of it in a different book, but it's not going to make it obsolete. Exactly. Yeah. It's just, it's just going to make it so that um, you can use it if you want. But I think in a lot of ways this will be good because as you, they pull some of the older stuff out, newer players can then only have a certain set of books to look at and potentially get or buy versus a massive backlog mm-hmm. of, of older stuff. Um, and then the people who already bought them can still use that stuff if they want. Yeah. And I mean, if, if you look at it, D&D Beyond side of things, it's the same as if you bought the physical copy. You know, I still have these two books around, even though I use Monsters of the Multiverse instead, you know, on my physical copies. I bought these digital books. The digital books are still there to use, even though I have this new one as well. So, yeah, and it's and I, I think this is probably going to be their best um, their best way to do it from a simplicity oh, yeah, perspective definitely. and from trying to streamline things going forward. And it's I think this type of thing and signals that they expect fifth edition to be around for quite a long time because um, it's already by the time it's been out uh, 2024, that'll have been like, like eight, 10 years, something like that of a five E by then. And so if we're talking about basically a revamp and again, backwards compatible revamp. So there, they will most likely just uh, not take uh, a demolition uh, to the entire foundation. It will be a lot of incremental updates and such. Uh, we could potentially see a 20 plus year D&D edition. I'm okay with that. Which, yeah, for me, who just started in 5th edition, for all my stuff to be good for that long, and I mean... From a physical standpoint, it's good for as long as you have it. <laughs> yeah. um, and hopefully from a digital standpoint, they will always, uh, especially now that D&D Beyond is owned by them, hopefully they will always continue to support any older editions uh, when 5e becomes the last edition uh, of D&D and something new takes its place, hopefully their online tool set will continue to support it, even if it's not necessarily updated with new content. Um, that would be the most most ideal. And then you can basically, I want to play 5E. I want to play 6E or whatever. So Yeah, I'd be good with that. Yeah, so that's, that's kind of my hope for this. Uh, but that is, again, probably very far in the future. So... Uh, we just wanted to kind of make a note of that because I think that's kind of the initial signal of uh, what their new style of thought is going to be. Exactly. Forward. Okay. So that's all the, the cool announcements uh, and stuff. Uh, we'll also have, a, if you want to read through all the stuff, uh, if you're a big D&D Beyond person, we'll also have a link to that article with all the fact uh, and stuff for the new Monsters of the Multiverse stuff. Uh, secondly, uh, we are going to move on to our other topic, which, uh, we haven't done a class for a while. Uh, and so we talked about it and so we landed on cleric, which Ben, what 
religion are you currently? Well, I mean, as a follower of Bahamut, uh, cleric is actually a very good, uh, you know, good class to kind of follow. I mean, yeah, a lot of people go with, uh, you know, um, uh, paladin for Bahamut, but you know what? Clerics are just as good. Yeah. Don't let anybody tell you, tell you can't be a cleric of Bahamut. Yeah. Heck, totally. I wouldn't, I'd just do it. Yeah. So Ben, why don't you give us a little bit of a rundown on clerics and then we'll, we'll kind of dig in a bit. Oh my gosh. Okay. So the first character in fifth edition that I ever played was a life cleric. Um, now one of the big differences between clerics and other classes is that you really kind of have to have an idea of what you want to play as soon as you create your character. So, you know, if you make a, a rogue or say a, a, a warlock or druid or something, usually you get to level three and then you kind of decide what path you want to follow. Not so with clerics with clerics at level one, you actually choose your own divine domain. And this kind of sets your path on what sort of cleric you're going to be, because believe it or not, clerics aren't just for healing anymore, which I think is one of the absolute best things that wizards could have done when they created uh, fifth edition. So based on your domain, you have access to, you know, a whole bunch of different things, whether it's uh, like I went with the life domain where that, you know, kind of has more of a, a focus on like healing um, bonuses that you get, you know, affect your, your spell casting when it comes to heals, um, certain spells that you have always prepared are going to be, you know, kind of focused in on that. Like, um, as an example, uh, life domain spells, you always have bless and cure wounds prepared. It doesn't actually count against the number of spells that you, that you, uh, are able to prepare per day. It's something that I absolutely loved about life cleric, because when I need to heal, I don't have to choose between cure wounds and something else. Super important. Um, but that being said, like if I wanted to go something into, oh, I don't know, a, a little bit more um, maybe uh, as a sailor or something along those lines, I might look something more towards like a tempest domain. You know, that's more like uh, you're using the wrath of the storm and the sea. And, you know, at, at, on your first level, the spells that you get are fog cloud and thunder wave. You know, you always have those prepped and ready to go. And the versatility of clerics is one of the things that I absolutely love about it based on the different domains that they have. Now, something else that sets them apart uh, or the different domains is the channel divinity. Now, channel divinity is specific to whatever domain you choose. Um, first of all, you do have or every single cleric has turn undead as a channel divinity because you're a cleric, you're a holy warrior. You can make undead, you know, run away from you depending on, you know, if they hit their save or not. Um, once you get to a certain level, it's destroy undead. They just die based on their challenge rating, which is really cool. But every single domain has its own secondary channel divinity that they can do. Um, for example, war domain, you get guided strike. So starting at second level, you can use your channel divinity to add 10 to any attack roll. Absolutely love that. I think it's amazing that, you know, a war domain is really based on combat. So they fine tune the domain and everything that they're going with that towards battle. If you're going towards like the arcana domain, uh, you have arcane abjuration, which means you can like 
do things to otherworldly creatures and create things and stuff. I mean, there's so much out there with the different domains that you can really kind of almost play. It's kind of like almost any type of class, depending on what you want to do, but still be a cleric. Yeah, no, that's I, I, that's a, a really great description. And I think that's uh, a lot of what really makes them unique. Um, just being able to choose that right from the very beginning is super cool. Uh, and especially when playing lower levels, clerics are pretty fun to play because you get to choose and have a lot of those extra things right off the bat versus mm -hmm. uh, having to wait until level two or three to get some of that stuff. Um, one of the other really cool things about clerics is uh, the spellcasting aspect. So they are full spellcasters. They go all the way up to level nine spell slots. Um, and they actually, unlike, uh, say, wizards, have access to their full spell list. Mm -hmm. um, and you get to prepare it per day. So you have access to the entire, uh, the entire list of cleric spells. And then every day you can pick and choose which ones of those you want to prepare. So uh, I really like classes like that because it gives you really good variety and it also lets you prepare specifically uh, within reason for the tasks or the events or uh, the quests or whatever you're planning on doing for that specific day or specific session. Exactly. I mean, you're looking at versatility on top of versatility on top of versatility, depending on, you know, how you go and what you want to play. Um for example, the cleric that's in my campaign, he's a light cleric and he's doing a great job, you know, going around healing, doing what he wants. But at the same time, he can cast fireball. You're a cleric who can cast fireball. And I'll tell you, he uses it in instances where he can. He's not one of those. The door's locked. OK, I cast fireball, but he's in a OK, I can get eight or ten people in this circle right here and we're like a hundred yards away or a hundred feet away great i cast fireball on them i mean he has ended fights before they've even gotten there and he's the cleric that's just amazing to me he's got burning hands fairy fire like that stuff is just automatically already set up and and, and uh you know prep for him on top of all the other spells that he gets to prep per, per day mm -hmm. yeah uh, one other really cool, unique thing about clerics is level 10 mm -hmm. when you get access to divine intervention. And this is an incredibly unique ability because it is heavily DM specific. <laughs> yes. Uh, basically, beginning at 10th level, you get to call on your deity to intervene on your behalf when your need is great. Uh, imploring your deity's aid requires you to use your action. You describe the assistance you seek and you roll percentile dice, which is one of the few times you get to roll percentile. So that's cool. Yep. And if you roll a number equal to or lower than your cleric level, so starting at 10, a 10 or lower on a D100, essentially, uh, your deity intervenes and the DM chooses the nature of the intervention, which yep. the effect could be a cleric spell or a cleric domain spell, uh, but it could literally be anything. Yeah. You know, it, I look at it as it, not exactly a wish spell because I don't think that your your deity would, you know, try to, you know, screw you over. I mean, 
but I mean, that's depending on however you work with your deity. I mean, who knows? You might have some sort of like trickery domain and that could, you know, backfire. But if you're successful with a divine intervention, amazing things can happen. And with such a low percentile for it to happen, I personally am all for granting what they want based on how they word their request. Yeah, the, like those, they're, they're big epic moments. That that spell going off translates to a big epic moment because it's not going to happen often. You can only try once per day. And if it does succeed, you can't use it again for seven days. Exactly. So this a, that's a, it's a really big deal. And even at level 19, you still only have roughly a one in five chance Mm -hmm. of it happening. So, I mean, it's, it's a very cool spell. It can allow you to be as a DM to be incredibly creative and uh, basically make these big epic moments for your players. Yeah. Really reward them for essentially what comes down to some really good luck. Now, Here's the extra little bit about divine intervention that's really great. If you have a player in your party who gets to level 20, they don't have to roll anymore. It succeeds automatically. However, they still can't use it for, you know, seven days after, you know, they've done it successfully. But can you imagine being level 20 going into the final battle of the BBEG and all of a sudden your cleric just whips out a divine intervention? How cool would that be? Yeah, no, that like that again, it's it's one of those things. It's like the high level, it's like the wish spell, it's like the true mm-hmm. resurrection. This leads to epic moments. Exactly. Yeah. Oh man. So so Ben, um before we move on, uh is there anything else you wanted to talk about? And what is your favorite cleric domain? Well, first of all, I just want to say that Divine Intervention was played in my game successfully by a My Light Cleric, and he did something that fundamentally changed a battle that I had prepped and ready to go. And it was amazing, and I did the best I could to reward him based off of what he requested. And when they came across the the aftermath of what that Divine Intervention did, I think everybody was pretty happy with that. So I just want to say, even at level 10 or 11, it can still happen. So the worst that you can possibly do is roll and not get it. So pull that out of your back pocket any chance you can get. That being said, it really depends on what kind of game I'm playing. Um, I will say when we did our kind of side adventure for in uh, Candlekeep uh, for plus five to hit, I was a grave domain cleric for the first time, and I really felt like that was super OP. I had a ton of fun playing with it, but the fact that um, the what is it, the eyes on the grave ability, I could turn on. Oh no, that's not that's the wrong one. Sorry. Um, Sentinel is path to the grave. Oh no, no, you're right. Sentinels at death door. Yeah. Um, I could basically cancel that's the one I was the actually going to mention. Yeah. Like that's critical. That death, is, yeah. it, it's such a unique ability mm-hmm. that really doesn't exist anywhere else. Yeah. You can literally turn crits into not crits. 
Exactly. And yeah, that's one of those things where I just, I was super excited when I, I threw that out well, two, three times or something during the game. And it, it really feels like you affected the, the combat a ton. You know, you're essentially healing without using a healing spell by, you know, having the damage that someone would have automatically took. I'm actually a really, really big fan of, of grave domains because of that. Um, that being said, again, I'm a big fan of the life domain. I mean, if you really want to be a good cleric for healing, take that as well as all the other like offensive cleric spells that you can get. And you already have your healing built into you. Um, on top of that, you get some like extra healing uh, when you actually start using healing spells. I, I mean, it's it's pretty great. I, I'm, I'm a big fan. Um, yeah, like Blessed Healer at six level. When you start when you restore hit points to anyone else you get hit points back yourself so you're like just just walking font of healing magic and stuff it's pretty cool yeah spread the love yeah and get rewarded to yourself so yeah (laughs) um how about Um, you do you have a specific uh domain that you like there's there's some pretty cool ones war domain is pretty dang cool being able to give someone that plus 10 Mm mm-hmm to hit something is such a huge deal and it also can create huge moments especially uh on at lower levels or on hard to hit villains or if uh, someone like your pally has a giant nuke like uh you know <laughs> fifth fifth level spell slot divine smite or you know something like that that they just can go ham on on the the enemy and they're hard to hit and you can basically guarantee a hit with that that's pretty cool um twilight domain is pretty sweet uh do you want to fly and have super wild dark vision well guess what with (laughs) twilight domain you get 300 foot dark vision oh man 300 foot dark vision that's at level Uh, one at level one and as an action you can magically share dark vision with willing creatures Within 10 feet of you. Oh, that's cool. So that's massive. At level six, you can draw on the mystical power of night to fly. Uh, when you're in dim or dark, uh, dim light or darkness, you can magically give yourself a flying speed equal to your walking speed for a minute. And you can do it as many times as your proficiency bonus. <laughs> that's pretty cool. Uh, so, like, yeah, that's just uh, just some really, really cool stuff. Uh, if you are playing in the type of campaign where flight and or uh, extremely wild dark vision is appropriate. Yeah. Um, one more I want to throw out, though, is the, the nature domain. That's actually pretty cool. Your channel divinity, you can charm animals and plants. Which is really fun anyway. But at level six dampen elements when you are a creature within 30 feet of you takes acid cold fire lightning or thunder damage you use your reaction to grant resistance to that that is actually pretty powerful if you think about it but then also at level eight your divine strike you deal an extra 1d8 of either cold fire or lightning damage. You get to choose whatever it is. Like So each time you can smack something with cold. Oh, it's resistant to cold. Great. Smack it with fire. Next hit. Smack it with lightning. The one after that. I mean, just play around with it and have some fun with this. It's it's really amazing. Yeah. Highly recommend trying out a cleric. Uh, it's on my list 
of soon soon to play trying to work through all the classes that i've yeah i never played before so cleric is fun i really recommend it cleric's to high on the list yeah cleric is very high on the list for sure so all right let's see here um just a quick supplemental talking point before we get into our community content shout outs uh this was from uh an article on um Demiplane's brand new uh I think it's got five, I think it's five to seven episodes in or something like that. I or maybe ten. It's not super deep in if you wanted to catch up. Um uh their new D D stream campaign that is being DM'd by Deborah Ann Wall. Yay. And uh the article was about uh an interesting house rule that she uses for the game. And I thought it would be kind of cool to, to kind of shout that out here. She used this uh, on uh, relics and rarities too, if I remember correctly. Uh-huh. I believe this, I believe this was, uh, and it's a uh, kind of a metagaming rule. Uh, and the, the article kind of states one common cause of metagaming has to do with skill checks, especially perception checks, because players understand that a low roll means they're likely to be deceived or miss a crucial piece of information. Uh, they may choose their next action with that low rolled in mind. For instance, a player who checks a hallway for traps and rolls a three will likely proceed under the assumption that there are traps, uh, undermining the impact of the low roll. Uh, the response to this is simple. If a player is concerned that knowing what they roll on a skill check will influence their response, they can tell the DM their modifier and have the DM roll the D20 for them. From there... Uh, the DM will tell the player what they see or learn without revealing the role itself. And by withholding that information, the players are unable to make any inferences based on what they rolled. They simply know what their character would know. And I really liked that. I thought that was super cool because um, it does it does take dice rolling out of the player's hands, but it's the player's choice to do it. Which I think is super cool, especially if you're a player who knows uh, it's harder to separate game knowledge from player knowledge. Yep. Uh, this could be uh, a spectacular homebrew rule for for you and your your DM because uh, then it allows you to, like the article said, proceed exactly how with just the information your character would know without having to fight. The information you as a person know. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So I just wanted to I just wanted to throw that out there because I thought that was uh, actually pretty unique and pretty cool. Yeah, and seeing it in uh, relics and rarities, it worked incredibly well. I mean, it's one of those neat things where you're kind of going through the story, you're playing, and you're not focusing on okay, well that role was bad, so obviously I'm missing something in here. I'm gonna keep looking. I'm gonna waste everybody's time. It was more. You don't see anything. Okay. Great. And then if a trap gets sprung on him or something, it's literally a surprise because you don't yeah. know. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. No, I think I, I just thought that was really cool. So I wanted to wanted to mention it as a possibility. Yeah. No, I think um, that's a and it's good and thing it's player led, which I think makes that I, that's what I think makes it really cool. Mm-hmm. I don't necessarily think I would like it if the DM just did that. Um, but if the player themselves knows or wants to be surprised mm-hmm. and then or on a specific thing chooses to say, hey, 
uh, why don't you do this one for me? I have a plus five modifier. I think oh. that's a that's a really really good idea. I think that works really well. Um, I might, you know what? I'm I'm not sure if I'm going to bring it into this campaign, but next campaign, I think I'm going to uh, introduce it and see what people think. Yeah, yeah, that's that's certainly something that you could at least just throw out there and be like, hey, if you want this option, it's there. It's there for you. I would I would totally do it if uh, if a player asked. Same for sure. Um, all right. So before we wrap things up and talk a little bit about what we're doing, we have a few community content shout outs. Uh, ben, I know you have one. So why don't you go first? Yes. Uh, by Odin, a uh, friend of mine actually suggested this. Um, it is a pretty cool book that is, uh, you know, one of those things that super duper helps you out. Um, it is the Game Master's Book of Non-Player Characters. Um, I actually ended up just purchasing this. It should be arriving in the next day or two, uh, but it's by Jeff Ashworth. Now, it has 500 unique characters. So uh, bartenders, brawlers, royals, sages, warriors, weirdos, a whole bunch of different stuff, all made and tuned in for uh, 5th edition. Now, the neat thing about this, uh, from everything that I've kind of you know peeked at and looked at, is it has something that a lot of people might not do when they're actually creating their character or their NPCs. It's something that um, I, I learned about in a, like a Matt Mercer being a DM video that I saw on YouTube, like forever ago. And it's giving your NPCs just a really quick want or need or, and like some sort of, um, uh, you know, like obstacle or secret or something that they have going on. So it gives them a little bit of character without having some sort of really huge flushed out black backstory. So like for this, um, just as an example, um, uh, Hattie Nottingham or yeah, Nottingham, um, it, it talks about, uh, Oh, you know, just the, this girl gives the, a really quick, um, description, but then also has wants and needs, a secret or obstacle, and then like what they're carrying on them. And, that's something that is super simple to just kind of reference and look at really quick. So you can kind of get a, an idea of the character on what you're going to be using them for, how you're going to be playing them and uh, give, you know, it, it gives the the players something more uh, to see and look at, you know, as a rich NPC. And it's really cool. And the fact that there's 500 of them in this book is pretty great. But on top of that too, it also does have uh, in, an adventure in here as well. I'm sorry, three adventures. So you have three one shots in this just NPC book. So, yeah, um, once I actually have it in hand, uh, I might talk about it a little bit more. But in the meantime, uh, the Game Master's book of non-player characters. So uh, thanks, Tetsumi, for pointing that out to me. It's it's looking pretty great, and I'm really excited to get my hands on it. Awesome. Yeah, that sounds super cool. And uh, in that same vein... Uh, I also have a community content shout out that is kind of uh, that building your world uh, mm -hmm. or fleshing out your world type thing. Kobold Press, um, of which we've talked about several times and have uh, they have a bunch of awesome fifth edition books, uh, just recently went live with a Kickstarter called Campaign Builder Cities and Towns for Fifth Edition. Create and run 5e adventures that crackle with rich lore, dark plots and glorious NPCs, a homebrewer's guide to better fantasy cities. Uh, and so basically this whole book is about how to build 
better cities and towns and how to flesh flesh that out rules and generators and all sorts of stuff to help you quickly create cities and towns for your homebrew world yeah this is pretty cool and i got very say, tempting it, very yeah, tempting so tempting <laughs> i mean you know making up cities and towns and stuff is great and it's fun and you know there's some neat stuff that you can throw in there but overall having a full fleshed out city is kind of hard and it takes a lot to actually put it together you know give it landmarks you know have a, a good feeling of how it runs and everything this really helps a lot i mean it it's pretty neat i very very tempted to support this have to wait till next paycheck but i think i'm going for it yeah i'm i'm on the fence but i i probably will end up leaning into it especially considering that all the stuff i personally run at least so far has been in my homebrew world and my homebrew world has a ton of potential stuff to build out yeah still oh same so here. something like this would probably be very helpful for me in fleshing out and creating from scratch my cities and towns definitely yeah if you're in that uh if you're in that area or you're looking to do those types of things this might be for you again all these things we've talked about we'll have links in the show notes on dndiscussions.com definitely uh as always, before we go, uh, we usually talk just for a few minutes about what we've been doing in our games. So, Ben, what have you been up to? Whoa! So, if you recall, the last session we had, it was a huge expo exposition and lore drop. Um, I had a lot of fun revealing some stuff that was going on, some things that were going on with the queen, with her advisor, and all that. So, my group... Uh, you know, the next morning they kind of got together, tried to decide how they were going to work with that information. So they ended up um, contacting the noble who they escorted to the town for the trade summit to kind of fill him in to see what's going on and uh, kind of rope him into being their inside spy guy while, you know, he's in the castle and they're out in, in the world. And he is super stoked to do that because he's insanely bored in the castle. So, you know, we'll see what happens with that. I'm I'm really excited that uh, I, I bumped my microphone. I was so excited for that. Um, but no, I'm I'm really excited that he is going to be helping with the investigation because they have no idea how good or bad he will be at this. So I'm pretty stoked to figure all that out. But... Uh, after he was leaving, they heard a commotion outside of the inn where they were eating. So they went outside and there was a dwarf who was, you know, kind of bloodied and, and distressed. And it turns out that the delegation from Dil Ulam, uh, the dwarven city, had been attacked on the road. So immediately the paladin rode off with with this dwarf back to, you know, the, the attack site. And then uh, the remaining group, you know, followed along as they went because... You know, they didn't wear their armor to, you know, to eat and everything like that, where the paladin is always ready for that. <laughs> so they, they uh, caught up. They found that the dwarven king had no, basically no scratches on him whatsoever. There were a couple in, in his guards uh, that were dead. There were some, you know, humans who were killed. And they're like, we were attacked by humans on the road. They went that way. 
And then so my party went after them to, to you know try to figure out what was going on. Um, they had found a paper on one of the the attackers' dead bodies that said, essentially, this is where they're going to be in this time frame. Don't attack the king, which was a little weird. They were they're kind of concerned about that. So they ended up finding the trail. They they came to a camp kind of deeper in the forest and uh, ended up you know, getting into a skirmish with uh, four other like warrior types and a wizard. So they're going through, they're attacking, things are happening. Uh, these humans are, are, you know, fighting back pretty, pretty hard. They're really well armored. And then suddenly one of them does a lightning breath attack at one of the characters. It's like, oh, that's a little weird. Um, and then they're attacking more. And then finally the wizard is, ends up casting witch bolt and drops concentration on something else he had going on. And all those warriors turned into various colored dragonborn who were just attacking. So they ended up taking out all the dragonborn warriors. The wizard was, you know, working on trying to get away, um, ended up uh, being held telekinetically over a burning uh, tent, cast gas cloud, and then my, <laughs> my, uh, I forget exactly what, uh, sorcerer is. It's like the storm sorcerer. She just blew that, that gas cloud over the, or no, it's cloud kill. Uh, just over the, the wizard. He took a deep breath, like voluntarily, just huge breath, took some damage from it. Then on his turn, he pulled out a knife and tried to kill himself with it. He was restra- restrained from the telekinesis, totally missed. They got him down, gagged him, tied him up. They got him as as a prisoner now. They're taking him back to town. So, yeah, something's afoot. Who knows what? But something. Uh, mm. Oh, I feel and, I feel like this will be interesting. Yeah, and even better too. The paladin said something along the lines of like, "Um, or first he said, uh, yeah, when she returns, you're." you know, you'll be sorry or something. I forget exactly what he said, but then the paladin said something about how, yeah, Tiamat is, is no good God or whatever, you know, basically taunting. And the wizard immediately shot back and, and said, you don't know what you're talking about. Tiamat is the, 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 the ruler. She will feast on your corpse or something, you know, something evil. Don't remember exactly what I said, but yeah, yeah. but she successfully taunted out that little bit of information from him. So we'll see what happens once they get back to town. I'm I'm really excited as the the whole thing is starting to, to crack open a little bit more. Yeah, oh, very very interesting. Yeah, it's it's pretty great. Very I mean, it, they've still got uh, about twelve days or so before this trade summon happens, so they got plenty of time to try to figure out something before that happens. But who knows if it's going to happen beforehand? If it's going to happen after, during, and what is even going on? Ah, it's fun. I love this stuff. It's exciting. It's pretty cool. Yeah. How about you? I'm excited to hear about it. Um, so, uh, biggest things, uh, had the downtime session. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think, I don't think I've told you about this yet. Have I? I don't think so. The downtime session. Uh, so this was one we were kind of planning for a while with, uh, with my first campaign and, uh, they ended up, uh, ended up basically like sending me all the type of stuff we wanted to do. And so I got it outlined and okay, yeah, kind that's of, right. yeah, broke it all up um, so that we could make sure 
to, to hit everyone's stuff as much as possible. Um, figuring I kind of went in and get, okay, which of this stuff can be montages? Uh, which of this stuff can be just like, you bought this? Yeah. Um, and then which of this stuff is roleplay moments? And so we just had a mix of that and we went through, we finished the stuff in uh, Erangel, the city they were in. Um, uh, our, went to see and said goodbye at a uh, temple. And then our cleric went to go check on his, you know, dead parents estate and found out that uh, his parents owed a massive amount of uh, back taxes. Oh no. On it, on it. Uh, and so he uh, basically did one of those, like uh, knock something over, run away type, <laughs> type things uh, and just got out of Dodge before that the, they could uh, clock him and try and try and make him pay up for that. So that was kind of funny. Um, they basically then uh, we did a montage travel uh, to Elathar, which is the big main capital city on that continent uh, where they were going to probably spend most of their time and do most of their research and uh, that sort of stuff. Okay. Uh, they camped out for the night right before they went in um, and then went to the city gates. Interestingly, though, uh, they were flagged down by a guard when they went through the city gates uh, who had been told to look for someone uh, that looked like our cleric. Huh. Uh, so they searched him and they found a bag of illicit drugs on him. Oh. <laughs> and on it was a note from his supplier that basically said, I got you the good stuff, Sal. <laughs> and of course, uh, for those that remember, Sal is basically the main antagonist rival of uh, our cleric who runs the Thieves Guild, the Sashin's Thieves Guild in Elathar. And so basically he planted something on him the night before and warned the guards <laughs> And so in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, they'll probably just, you know, go down to the guardhouse as he gets arrested and try and work it out and maybe pay a fine or something. Of course not. All hell broke loose. The, uh, our sorcerer animated a bunch of ropes that started attacking and like distracting the guards. Uh, our lock cast major image <laughs> and sent uh, an image of him running away while our cleric, uh, our wizard cast invisibility on the cleric. They all started trying to, to run away. And then my wife who plays our wizard, uh, named bean, little halfling. Uh, she has had a bag of magic beans <laughs> for the longest time. And so she's like, I throw one of those down in the confusion. <laughs> And so oh, no. if you don't know what a bag of magic beans is, you roll on a D 100 list and there's ranges uh, for uh, different things you can do. And there is a lot of stuff that can happen when you yeah. plant one of these beans. Turns out. Uh, as they're starting to move away, the bean sprouts and up grows a statue that looks exactly like bean immobile but it turns towards her and starts yelling obscenities and insults at her and starts yelling to anyone who will listen and telling the exact location of them. 
which is literally the exact opposite thing that they want to happen amazing in this circumstance and it is it it I, I was it was funny. I rolled I rolled and I started reading the description and I was just like, oh, my gosh, I cannot believe <laughs> that I rolled this specific one. Uh, so that that ended up being a whole big thing. And it was it was a hilarious, so super funny, uh, super tense, like uh, much higher profile entrance to the city than I think anybody was uh, was planning on. Uh, then they went out, they did their things. For the shopping stuff, I basically said, um, we're not going to do this. You guys have told me the items you want. I'll give everybody a single roll persuasion check uh, with uh, this this DC. And if you get it, you successfully haggle down uh, the cost a little bit. And that's just how we played it. So everybody got the chance to to kind of uh, barter and potentially get their item or items they wanted a little cheaper well that's good i thought that uh ended up working out really well doing it that way and didn't waste a bunch of time uh the uh they they a lot of them went and got a little information on their backstory a little bit about their past trying to learn uh about some of the stuff uh that uh that they didn't know and it basically all culminated in a few weeks later uh, at the tavern they were all staying at. The ranger, the I think it was the ranger, the cleric, and the sorcerer just all sitting at the table for breakfast. Um, and this large shadowy portal opens right next to them. And this short, rotund man falls out of it. Uh, right on to the ranger. Nice clothes, or what used to be nice clothes, but now very tattered and torn. A knife sticking out of his back. He looks up at the ranger and says, Princess, I found you. And then goes unconscious. And we ended the session. We ended the session right there. And this is a complete surprise to to our ranger. Our ranger rogue. (laughs) Uh, she had no idea what was going on. Um, and so that was that was super fun. Uh, so we're going to find out what that was all about uh, coming up here this weekend. That's pretty great. So I'm excited. I'm excited for 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 that arc for sure. It should be should be fun. They, uh, my other group uh, had their huge mind fight after they uh, cheesed their way through the outer part of the mine and caused a cave in and destroyed most of my encounter. I'm not salty about it though. It was a really good, really good uh, playing on their part. So <laughs> yeah, is what it feeling. is sometimes. I know is what feeling. it is sometimes. Uh, so they were able to uh, defeat the grinders and the uh, foreman uh, and free the Sapphire dragon uh, that was uh, captured within and uh, gained themselves a new ally and uh, got a little bit of the lore of uh, the history of that particular continent. So uh, we'll have to see where they go from there. But uh, first big victory, first big ally against this essentially uh, oppressive uh, regime that is currently 
warring to take control of this con. That's so, very I'm excited, cool. excited to see where, where that one goes as well. Yeah, it sounds like you got some really good stuff set up for you. That's the hope. You never know how it's going to go, uh, but that's the exciting part, right? That's yeah. uh, finding out, finding out what happens. I think so. Uh, and you know, <laughs> you you just inspired me to potentially do something that I I might do. I just added something. Just listening to you. Excellent. I'm glad. Yeah. And you can tell me about it later. I think I will. I don't know. Ben's players. I'll see if it's something that uh, you think might be a good idea because I it just all of a sudden it it kind of fits. Yeah. No. I don't know what you're talking about. I know. (laughs) I'm liking this now. Oh man. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Cool. Uh, And on that note, uh, we will go ahead and wrap up the episode. Thank you so much, everybody, for listening. Um, We will be back. at our normal time again uh, in two weeks. Mm -hmm. But until then, Ben, why don't you tell everyone real quick where we can be reached? You bet. Um, Now, if you like some of the stuff that we're talking about here and want uh, to ask some questions or share the stories that are going on in your game, hey, guess what? We love to hear them and uh, also answer questions. Uh, Send those emails to dndiscussions at gmail.com. If you have something a little bit more short form uh, or you want to just throw it out in the world and tag us on it, Twitter is a good place for that. We are at dndiscussions. Uh, If you're looking for Ryan specifically, you can find him. He is at tbkzord, and I am at benbumhoffer. Now, if you are enjoying this and but want to actually hear us play Dungeons and Dragons, guess what? You can do that. Uh, check out Plus Five to Hit. It is a persistence uh, campaign. We are in the middle of uh, Ram of the Frostbite, and boy, howdy, some fun stuff happening there. I am super excited for our next session because, oh man, well we'll just we'll just say we're in the thick of it, or we're about to be anyway. But uh, yeah, check out Plus Five to Hit. We are both players there. We have a lot of fun, uh, you know, going around uh, the ten towns. Uh, that being said, this show, D and Discussions, if you like it, there are 65 other episodes. You can find them in the exact same place that you are listening to this episode. So check those out. Uh, for the most part, they are pretty timeless because uh, guess what? Gameplay stuff and everything doesn't really change a whole lot. So check that True. out. Uh, but with that, hey, thanks everybody for, you know, tuning in, having fun. Thank you for being patient for uh, an episode that's a little bit later than normal. But uh, till next time, be good to each other. Take care, and we'll see you soon.